Oh my goodness. Hey, Wendy. Hey. How you been? Good. And yourself? I have been good. I feel like summer's like right here. Yeah. Right around the corner. We made it through May. We made it through May. We really just did. Yeah. It was packed, but we got, we got through it. Yep. Today is June 1st, Mm -hmm. the start of a new season, a new month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we actually have a really cool new friend. I don't Mm want to say guest. I feel like we've made a new friend today. And, um, the timing of her visit is so perfect, and I feel like God ordained. Uh, we have in the studio with us the one and only Cindy Giuliani, yes, who is not running for office that I know of <laughs> in New York or anywhere else, but she is here with us, and she has a phenomenal story. So June uh, has... I guess, been declared as coming out month. It's a month to celebrate LGBTQ uh, lifestyles. Um, And Cindy just has a phenomenal story and testimony um, to share with us all today. That is just, the timing has just God ordained. So Cindy, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Shooting Straight podcast. Well, thanks. It's my pleasure. We are so excited um, just to get into this topic, but uh, why don't you, and Wendy, feel free to chime in whenever you're ready, but could you just uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and then we're going to get into your story, but you are, uh, you have an organization uh, called Arise Together, so can you just like introduce yourself briefly and tell us a little bit about Arise Together and what you do? Yeah, so I founded Arise Together um, in 2012. So I guess this is our 10th year now. Wow, congratulations. Awesome. But Arise Together came out of um, just my passion for helping women uh, have second chances. Uh, I've been in prison ministry for 20 plus years and ran a transitional program for women coming out of prison from 2009 to 2011. And within that, I saw a need for uh, discipleship to take place, for these women to continue to be inserted into new community and to be in, in, uh, introduced to healthy community. And so I started Arise Together with that focus in mind to mentor and disciple these women um, as they left these programs and uh, were in these programs. Or, and then within that, you know, just uh, the addiction issue is, is an issue with most of these women that are incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And so uh, learned a little bit about how to navigate that road with them and walk alongside them uh, in their recovery as well. Wow, that is such a tough assignment. Like what a call from Mm -hmm. the Lord to do that. But it definitely takes equipping the called. Absolutely. Responding. That's one of the hardest things to do sometimes. Yeah. Well, kudos to you for answering the call. Yes. Um. I love what you said. We were talking earlier and we actually like, it's like, oh, let's get to know each other a little bit more. And that was like an hour and a half later, like (laughs) we should probably record. But, um, I love what you said about when you first started working, uh, with young women and adolescents and all that, you were like, give me the tough ones. Like I want the hard ones. And I'm like, Mm. I might've said the opposite. (laughs) You're more courageous than we are. Cindy is basically what she's saying is we would be like, no, give us the easy ones. We, (laughs) kind of 
But we are actually going to do a two-part podcast with Cindy because her story is so rich and so good. Like I said, we just went to get to know each other and it was like an hour and a half later. So um, there's so much good stuff. Uh, But Cindy, I'm going to kind of just give you the reins here a little bit to um, really introduce yourself to everyone and tell your story and why we're all sitting here in the room today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I uh, I thought we were done because we talked an hour and a half already. Sorry. But no, I came to Christ when I was 27, so back in 1989, and um, I really didn't have a I wasn't brought up in the church. I mean, we we went to church occasionally, but it really we really weren't devout and going to church, and so I really didn't have a view of who God was. And I was molested as a child uh, when I was six and seven years old by a neighbor, and that just kind of set the course of my life for um, you know stealing my innocence, introducing me to sexual activity and pornography at a very young age. And it really set the course for how I viewed myself and how I felt like I needed to protect myself uh, growing up. And so I don't think it was, it wasn't something that was thought out. It was a reactive uh, posture that I took um, to protect myself. So being a time tomboy, I was an athlete uh, my whole life. And just being uh, that happening to me, it, it, it made me want to uh, protect myself not being feminine and so uh, not dressing as a girl so I, I just took on this defensive posture of you know no one's going to hurt me again uh, I'll hurt you or make you afraid of me before you get the chance mm-hmm. and so I was I was just always had that defensiveness about mm-hmm. me uh, growing up and and within that um, when I got into high school Um, and I also realized about myself that I always had, God gave me this gift to, I always had a heart for the underdog. It's like, I was an athlete and, you know, as athletes, you're kind of in cliques and, you know, you kind of stick together and you, you oust everybody else. And I was just like, not, not having that, Mm. you know, I was in everybody's clique and even the underdogs and even the, you know, the ones that were out behind the building smoking pot or smoking cigarettes or, you know, I would be going and hanging out with them, not doing those things. But, uh, you know, I just cared for them as people. I just felt, you know, that connection that they just needed somebody uh, to affirm them, to to know them. And and so which that, is so cool knowing like even then. Like God w- had your heart prepared for what you do now. Yeah, exactly. like going after the underguard, the underguards. Oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> underdogs. Coffee, please. Yeah. Uh, going after the underdogs um, and loving on them the way that mm-hmm. you do. So that's so cool that you can look back and mm-hmm. see it those seeds early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it really just was. I think I was doing what I needed. Like I was giving what I desired what mm-hmm. I needed for myself mm-hmm. that I wasn't receiving mm-hmm. you know it was just something in me that I that I felt lacking and and so it was it was <clears throat> so I saw it in other people I saw that lack so um but anyway I you know I went on some dates in high school I was date raped a couple times and and that just continued to set me up for you know not trusting men and uh not wanting to be vulnerable around them and <clears throat> And so with that, I, you know, I really didn't deal with 
uh, same-sex attraction at that time, mm-hmm. but I knew that uh, I didn't trust men. And so, you know, everybody I hung around were athletes, and later on in life, you know, I, I was exposed to some women who, you know, proclaimed to be gay, and they played, you know, on the teams with me that I played on. And um, and then, you know, my parents got divorced, and that kind of – I didn't see that coming, even though my dad wasn't present in my life. Uh, but it really threw me for a loop. And so I was really going through some depression at that point. And I uh, remember going to this volleyball game across town, and there was a woman who was a a volleyball player at that time, and she, like, saw me up at the top of the bleachers after the game and came up and approached me and said, hey. And, uh, you know, comes to find out we grew up, kind of played together as kids. My mom and her mom knew each other. But I didn't recognize her, but she recognized me from way down there on the floor, and she came up and asked me to go to a party with her. And on the way to the party, she said, so how do you feel about gay people? And I was like, I don't know, I guess to each his own, never really thought about it. But it was at that party that I was exposed to uh, the gay community and uh, kind of felt like I was getting something from her that I hadn't felt before. Mm-hmm. And so we actually started to date at that point. Yeah, I think uh, something that you mentioned a little earlier that to speak to what you said, you know, you were getting from that community, you talked about it being more even emotional Mm -hmm. needs being met. Yeah, and that's what I felt from her is like, you know, there's this is somebody who who I felt like wanted to get to know me as as a person uh, I felt nurturing from I felt tenderness from. And, you know, I hadn't felt that with any any boy I dated at that point and and then also not not feeling like I was being sexually exploited uh, by her and so that kind of drew me in but at the same time it was very unfamiliar and felt like uh, it was wrong Mm. Uh, you know deep inside me I don't know what reference that was from but it was like this is not natural uh, you know and then when it came became sexual it was even more not natural yet you know, it was like I was drawn to it, but also at the same time uh, questioning it. Mm-hmm. And at this point in time, you're still, you haven't come to the Lord yet. This is in No, I hadn't come school. to the Lord yet. So you still had that inkling uh, that it was wrong. Yeah, I still had that inkling that it was wrong. I will say that I was, when I was 16, I did go down to an altar call and I felt like at that point in time in the church, it was, I went to this church and um, they were having a teenage thing and I felt like I went down to the altar because I didn't want to go to hell, Mm. you know? So it was like, if you go down there and get saved, you know, then you won't go to hell. And so that was my reference at that point. Like, okay, this is going to keep me out of hell. So I'm going down there and receiving Christ. And, but I do think at that time with my understanding, it was a genuine interaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I do believe God was pursuing me at that point as well. Yeah, that's really good. Because I think, I, I, I in my own life, you know, I see that. Like I see moment now that I know the Lord, I can look back and reflect on certain things that happened in my life and be like, oh, that that was God back then, mm-hmm. even though I couldn't connect mm-hmm. that dot right. at all. Makes a lot more sense in the rear view. Yes. It often. Does. Yes. Often. Absolutely. So anyway, that relationship ended, it was a six-month relationship. It ended abruptly. I felt 
used. I felt discarded. I felt rejected. And it stirred up all those feelings in me of, you know, there. Was, I think there was a deep root of rejection in me, you know, that uh, just from growing up and not having my father involved in my life. And, you know, uh, you know, my mom was raising five kids on her own. And so, uh, you know, and she wasn't brought up in a real nurturing family. So that just that hugging, that loving, that touch wasn't present there. And so it, it almost felt like a rejection sometimes and not receiving that. And, and so I felt rejected after this relationship. And uh, I had a friend who was a Christian, and so she connected me with another woman on campus where I was going to go to school, and a Christian woman who had come through the homosexual lifestyle, and she said, you know, she'd be a good mentor for you. And so when I, I met her and then, you know, six months uh, getting to know her, I started to reveal more of my story and share more of my story. And then she made a sexual advance towards me. Uh, and that just really, just really turned my world upside down. Yeah. And were, are you saying, I just want to clarify, did you say she had, they, they told you she had come through it? Yes. Like, so she was no longer living that lifestyle as far as right, they as, thought. As far as they thought. So as far as they thought, she was a safe person. She was a Christian who would understand, you know, my, what I had just come through with this one relationship that I had yeah. and it hadn't gone any further than that at that point. And I really didn't have any understanding about it. Um, like I was looking at it through, there were good parts about it. And then, but the hurt of it ending and the rejection that I felt afterwards was, you know, it was a hard place for me to rise from, from that. And so I just really wanted somebody to talk to, but I didn't want to talk to somebody, if that makes sense. Yeah. I can't imagine the betrayal because you've already concluded men aren't safe. Right. And you were trying to get help. Just the betrayal of that. Mm -hmm. That just hurts my heart a little bit. Mm -hmm. Wondering who you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, I had some pretty big trust issues with, with people. Um, and I was a loner and, and, and kind of an, an introvert and a very shy kid anyway. So, um, you know, you could sit in a room with me for an hour silently. I may say something. I may not. <laughs> like, well, that's not been our experience. It's been very delightful. <laughs> You've been very engaging. Yes. I've had a lot of healing. <laughs> so I got something to talk about now, I guess. <laughs> so, but it's it's uh, it's definitely uh, was awkward for me to share my feelings and, and what was going on inside of me, you know, and, and not yeah. having that trust with somebody. So. Uh, I ended up going to a counselor after that, and, you know, I had a counselor tell me that if you feel that way, and I put an emphasis on feelings, if you feel that way, you should just go ahead and live your life that way. And so I kind of ran with that, and for the next seven years, lived in that community. And, you know, it was uh, it was something that, like I said, there was good with the bad, but it, it felt safer than with a man. Um you know, it's it's a very tight-knit community. Um, you know, we support each other. We loved each other. We did things together, you know. But in that as well, you know, when things get sexualized and there's promiscuity and there's – it's the same – to me, it's the same, you know, when, when sex is involved, whether it's a heterosexual or homosexual relationship, you know, things get skewed. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's always – you're attracted to this person or that person. And so uh, I found that those relationships weren't lasting. Um, you know, probably the longest relationship I had was three years. And, you know, those, uh, 
you know, I was in the bar scene and uh, all of these things, um, you know, drinking and trying to love myself and trying to, to know myself and understand all these things that were going on inside of me, uh, introduced to drugs and cocaine. And even while I use those things, uh, you know, I'm thank God I didn't become addicted to those things, but, um, you know, they were a part of my life and a part of the bar scene and a part of going out with the gay community and hanging with them. And, um, you know, and there were other things as well that weren't, that didn't evolve around those things, but, um, I just still felt a void. I still felt empty. Like there was something missing in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, and I continuously felt like God did not create me this way. He did not create me for this. And so I just, with that reference, you know, it was like I'd had these conversations, which I know now were with God, but I really didn't have a reference for that. But there was just still this questioning within me. Uh, I'm looking, sorry, there is, um, you said something that I have heard and I am having a hard time remembering the woman's name. Um, I was hoping I could just Google it really quick and I would find it, but the thing that you you said that I've heard in other testimonies is um, the community and the the tight knit feel of the homosexual community mm-hmm. that they've got each other's backs, kind of. Even mm-hmm. though you say like even it, although inside of it it's dysfunctional and abusive and all of those things exist that there was this illusion that this was like a safe family. Was that, is that how you would? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, well, you know, you could probably say that about any group, um, you know, community that you get involved with, with the same interest the Mm -hmm. you know, like-minded people. Um, And I think, I think within that community, there was, um, I think it Rosario Butterfield. Is that who you're? That's exactly. I, I kept thinking it started with the M. Like yeah. I was thinking Maria <laughs> yeah. Rosario Butterfield. That's exactly yeah. who I was talking about. Thank so, you. So yeah, she does bring that community piece into her testimony. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who have been brought out of the homosexual lifestyle. Uh, we don't always talk about it. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a messy subject. It's, it's really hard, especially in the culture we live in today to, to speak to that. And I know my experience that I had with, with Christ and, and the, and the immediate, um, the immediate feeling of his peace and his Holy Spirit and his love towards me at that moment, you know, after spending so many years in that, in that uh, lifestyle, um, you know, really just never filled that place in me, that deep place of rejection, of wanting to be affirmed, of wanting to be needed, uh, you know, even though I thought it did at times, uh, I still was left empty. And, yeah. uh, and that void was there until I met Christ. Wow. So, uh, Wendy, do you have any questions? Otherwise, I'm going to... You can go for it. Oh, I'm going to keep going? Okay. Yeah. So, take us from that. So, you said you lived in that community for seven years, I think is what you said, that you lived that lifestyle. So, tell us the rest of the story. Well, it was... Um, like I said, in 1989, I was in a relationship. <clears throat> I had been in relationships that, you know, where I was codependent. So, uh, to me, I view codependency as a need to be needed. Mm-hmm. And so, as a need, I needed to be needed. So, 
you bring needy people around around you, so they need you, right? So, which like, happens in all kinds of yeah. issues, yes. not just this one. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, you see that in a lot. And then, you know, it becomes this one sided relationship that uh, you know these people are incapable of giving anything to you because they need everything from you. And you know, so after a while of being in that relationship, you know, a codependent person finally rises up and says, "Why aren't you giving anything to me?" Mm-hmm. You know, and and this was the pattern in my life um, with my relationships, and and it was either that or when I got tired of being the one that gave all the time, I became the needy person looking for somebody to give me that, and ended up in abusive relationships. Uh, you know, was in a narcissistic relationship. Uh, was in another abusive relationship where, you know, there was just control issues, and um, I I know I had to. Uh, the last relationship I was in with that, I had to um, give all my stuff to a friend and sneak out in the middle of the night of the house, and I had to fight for my own vehicle. Um, it, there was just a lot of uh, a lot of abuse in there um, that I had to escape from, and so it's the same thing as domestic situation with a heterosexual couple. You know, it was going yeah. on, and you know these these relationship issues happen on both sides of the coin. So they're not, uh, you know, I, I without Christ as the center of our life and giving us that reference of a holy God and who he made us to be, um, I think we're all just a mess and just trying to figure it out and trying, trying to find that something, you know, to fill that void that only God can fill. Yeah. Yeah. So what, when did the transformation happen when you met Jesus? And I mean, because your testimony, the thing I like that you said is everyone, you know, there's lots of people that tell stories of deliverance and redemption and all of that. But even so, even with God being the the catalyst, the, the one who does the changing, mm-hmm. those stories are still very individual, very unique, very personal. And I love that about God just... Mm-hmm. He's so personal. And, you know, when he says he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb, like he knew you before you were formed. He knew what your life was going to look like. And he doesn't abandon us Mm -hmm. and he doesn't turn away. So tell us that part of your story. Yeah. So I was in this relationship and it was just empty and unfulfilling. And, uh, you know, we were fighting all the time. And um, I just remember being alone one day and just being so, you know, just so broken. And I cried out to God, uh, you know, I just like, like I knew him. I don't think I knew him at that point, but it's like, you know, why are you allowing this in my life? Why are you doing this? I need you. I can't do this anymore. And it was like when I released those words of surrender to him, I felt his presence come in and I, and I felt, I just, the only way I can explain it is like somebody was in that room with me, hugging me Mm -hmm. and like putting a cloak over me and just holding me for four and a half hours. I cried on that floor and just felt like he was holding me. Mm -hmm. And, and it was after that, that time, I just felt this overwhelming peace of, I just encountered God. Wow. And so it's very personal for me to, Especially today when, you know, I hear people say, you know, this is how God made me and this is this is how I was created and I can't and I don't have any other reference. Um, you know, it's it's all about emotions and feelings at that point. You know, it's really not about who he did make you to be. 
And I don't think we know that until we get into that place of surrender with God mm-hmm. uh, to really understand who he made us to be. Right. That's good. Yeah, we uh, talked about that in the episode on shoot the shooting straight, like how to tell the truth in love. Yeah. Um, just the absence of truth cannot be love. Mm-hmm. And how feelings are dictating um, how we're raising kids, like the, the feelings dictate what is right and wrong, that moral relativity that, you know, I mean, that can go to some really scary places if everyone gets to decide what's right and wrong based on how they feel. Right. And I think the thing that's cool about your story is that you don't ever seem to, uh, I think of like when Adam and Eve were hiding in the garden, like you cannot hide. You knew right. early on, that God had your number. You knew early on that God was real and um, had a call. And so I just think it's just such a beautiful testimony to how long-suffering God is and how merciful and gracious he is. So go ahead and, sorry, I totally interrupted to preach there for a second. (laughs) I'm reeling it back in. I should have warned you. I do preach, so that's a problem. So does Wendy, so (laughs) we'll we'll try not to take over. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) feel free. So yeah, so I, you know, at that point, my sister was in church, my oldest sister, and she invited me to go to church with her and, um, you know, I really just wanted to be where God's word was. And, you know, I remember the first day walking into that church and I, I was listening to the pastor and I was, I felt like God just gave him my journals. <laughs> like, he was, like he was just reading my mail. Wow. And just, to, I, I felt exposed, but I felt protected. Hmm. I felt like God was speaking directly to me that day with that message. And, uh, you know, there were people that were loving on me um, that day and, you know, when people began to find out, you know, what my story was and, you know, where, where I was walking out of, um, you know, that was, that was a lot tougher for me to yeah. embrace the body of Christ. Um, actually it took me 20 years. So to love people from the body of Christ. I can't imagine because we're usually so great at stuff. Yeah. <laughs> can't imagine why you had an issue with that. I don't know. So, <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's just a, uh, you know, a time of growth I needed in my life, a time of healing I needed in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, God began to show me things about me, and um, you know, I just I still had this guarded protection over my heart and mm. over myself that I wasn't going to be vulnerable yet, um, and and so I was still kind of defensive in my in my view with meeting people, and and so that that probably skewed my. Uh, knowing whether they were safe or not, but <laughs> it didn't. It didn't feel safe, so um, so I really didn't allow myself to be known, but that well. And you know, the voices that I heard though were really um, were really difficult for me because it felt like people were trying to change me from the outside in. Like uh, you know, I was sharing my testimony at this point. Like you know, I I kind of dress like an athlete, more of a male presence. Um, I don't think I really thought about that. It was just my natural, like I look at my sisters today, I was like, we all dressed alike. I mean, we're just not feminine women. We're, we were workers, we were athletes, you know, and mm-hmm. this is just yeah. how we presented ourselves. But for me, it, it became attached to the identity of being in the gay lifestyle. And so when I walked out of that, um, it became an issue in the church. You know, it's like I felt like they wanted to 
you know, dress me up, put me in a dress, you know, let me carry a purse instead of a wallet and, uh, you know, marry me off and then I would be good. So You became the project. So, yeah, I became the project. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so it was, it was becoming that project that really just kind of like made me roll my eyes and like, okay, I'm not, I'm not letting these people in. They're just mm-hmm. ridiculous. And so it was, it felt hypocritical to me yet. Yeah, there was, a, at the core, I really knew these people loved me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really knew they loved me, but I felt like they were missing what God was doing. Mm. And, uh, you know, what God was doing in me was heart transformation, not behavior modification. Yeah. You know, and so as he was healing me and transforming my heart, then those other things would change in time. But it wasn't going to happen overnight. And I think that's the place that we get sometimes is, uh, and even I've gotten there at, in my journey, you know, uh being being judgmental or looking at something from the outside and not giving it time, not giving God time to move in that person's life or to change them. And so I think we're all just learn as we grow. Yeah. What a, a gracious response to the body of Christ as we try. As we try. <laughs> we try. I wish the world understood that. I think the expectations are so high. Um, with no grace attached. Mm-hmm. And so often when the church tries and we miss, it's met with a lot of disdain. And um, so that's a really gracious response that you have to those people, like understanding they love you and maybe it wasn't the thing that was needed or the right approach, but your heart to understand that their motive was love is yeah. super cool. Yeah, and I, and I did know that. I did feel that love uh, from them. Even though it, they drove me crazy. <laughs> I can't <laughs> so, imagine. Well, and I think it's it's important to, and I'd say you would say this, Cindy, it's like everybody's learning, right? Mm-hmm. You were learning how to navigate this new road that, that God had, was taking you down. They're trying to navigate something they didn't have maybe personal life experience with, but they loved you. Right. <laughs> and so you're both trying to do this together and it's going to be complicated. It's going to be a little messy. And right. so, yeah, giving each other a little bit of grace and benefit of the doubt to say, I don't know if I'm doing this right, but you know my heart and let's, let's start walking together. And, and that's what Jesus did, what God did at the beginning before he even created you. <laughs> as Tina said, she, he knew your story and he wasn't scared of it. Right. Amen. He wasn't intimidated. He jumped right in there with you and met where you were, you were at. And when you called out, he was there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cindy, thank you so much. It's such a personal um, story. And I think Wendy and I both acknowledge it's so funny as you have throughout your life, you've, um, uh, your history is striving to protect yourself and not be vulnerable that it is no small thing to have the privilege of sitting with you today, um, to have you do the very opposite, which is be vulnerable and share. And I, I just want you to know that we both appreciate the weightiness um, and just the extreme privilege it is to be in this room with you and to have you trust us with your story. Um, because, and I told you from the beginning, you know, we don't want to exploit anyone's journey for the sake of good podcast material. Like, right, right. Um, and, but our goal from the beginning, I mean, the reason it's called shooting straight is because we love truth, even when it hurts. And we believe that there are difficult topics and messages that through the sharing of those, they have freedom attached 
And our hearts are very much um, fans of freedom. We see the enemy has people in bondage, and we want to do damage to what his goals are for people. So you are a warrior. Mm-hmm. By you doing this, you are taking up arms against um, the enemy's camp, mm-hmm. and you are not letting him hide it in the dark what he does you're exposing him for what he is and how he uh just kind of wreaked havoc over your life for a time only Mm -hmm. to have the one true living god yes show up with the victory yes and i am victorious in jesus um it didn't happen overnight i you know if i have to say one thing it's it's a process of you know it's like i i refer to the woman at the well um you know when jesus met her there he he read her mail. He told her everything about her that he knew already. Uh, and, you know, that she was had five husbands and that she was living with a guy now that wasn't her husband. And yet she knew that encounter that she just had was with God, mm-hmm. was with the Messiah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everything in her heart changed at that moment because she felt that love and that connection to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, f- I feel like that happened to me, yet she had to go back and deal with that guy living in her house. You know, I had to go back and deal with the woman living in mine. Right. Right. You know, I mean, so there are still things that you have to walk Mm -hmm. out in the circumstances of your life, uh, you know, when you come to Christ. But God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you to guide you. And, and, you know, he's he's always given me uh, the strength to do the hard things that he's asked me to do. And it's kind of like, you know, he keeps us inside this pasture. And a lot of times uh, people want to get their way. And so... They, they think that those boundaries are because he doesn't want to give you something good. And that's exactly what Satan tried to do in the beginning was say, did God really say that you, if you ate this tree, that, that you would surely right. die? Mm-hmm. You know, so Satan's temptation is always to get you to think that God is doing something bad and keeping you from something good. And, and that's quite the opposite. Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. But God is good. He's always good. He's a holy God. Mm-hmm. He created us uh, to be made in his image. And so we are his image bearers, and he didn't make mistakes. And Amen. so I can just Amen. say that, um, you know, if, if people are struggling, uh, you know, with being a Christian and, and having same-sex attraction, you know, I can say that God uh, will definitely meet you where you are. And as you surrender that to him, he will lift you to a place that he has prepared for you. Praise a plan the Lord. and a purpose. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I don't want to cut your story off by any stretch of the imagination. So we are going to do a second part to this. And we're going to talk, uh, we're going to have Cindy talk to us about the church and about, you know, maybe some, if you're personally struggling, we're going to d- dive into a little more of how this can be applied to the church. But we're not done with your story yet because you just tapped on it that you had to go back and deal with the woman you were living with. So tell us how that evolved because that's a really cool thing well, God did. I had to ask her, you know, I had, I had to ask her to leave. And um, I think it was something that was, you know, kind of on the verge anyway. Uh, but definitely um, I knew that, that this life in Christ, I wanted to start it um you know, it was just time to separate that. And so, but, you know, I was still involved in, I was on a gay softball league. I played sports. I hung out with people. Um, so all of those things in my life, 
you know, I mean, there were times when I'd go to parties after I got saved and I'd be sitting there like, what am I doing here? I don't feel like the same <laughs> anymore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I would talk, I'd sit at the bar, I'd go to a bar and I'd talk to, uh, people about Jesus and my encounter with him. And they would just like entertain me by listening, <laughs> so, and, you know, and, and really I heard a lot of them say, ah, she's just going through a phase. She'll be back, you know? Uh, but, but it wasn't a phase. It was something that happened in me. And so even though I had to go deal with all of those consequences and where I was in my life, uh, it wasn't always easy. But, uh, but it, there was this yearning and this pulling to me to live for God. And so that was more important to me to, to lay down those things uh, that used to be and walk in this new life uh, with a loving God that I had encountered. And so... Um, I just started, you know, quitting, you know, quit, quit the softball league, uh, found a, another league to join that, you know, was a better league. Um, and then I just started replacing going out dancing and going to the bars with going to Bible studies and finding fellowship groups to get involved in. And mm-hmm. uh, really for me, the draw was I wanted to know God more. Yeah. And so I know this Bible was a way to do that. And so I, I was reading the Bible every chance I got uh, at work, you know, at night, you know, just any time I had a chance to, to read the Bible or learn. I remember laying on the floor of my apartment, you know, just listening to sermons on the radio in the middle of the night, you know, and just God was just feeding me mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, giving me words of life. I felt alive. It's like it's like this life that I was searching for forever. Yeah, you know that everything I touched was dead, but this was life, and so I just wanted more of it. That's cool. And so it was easier as I grew in relationship with Jesus through His Word to give those things away, those other things that were a hindrance to me living for Him. Yeah. Well, we are going to end this one. This was so good. Thank you. Thank you again for just your vulnerability and sharing. We're not done yet. We've got a part two we're going to head into because it's not quite the end of her uh, relationship with that woman, right? Um, You ended up witnessing and... That was a different time. Different time. Okay, I'm sorry. I, Like I said, it was an hour and a half. There was a lot of details. <laughs> but no, that was just the beginning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we're going to talk a little bit more about her life and how God's used her story and her testimony in the lives of other people. Um, and I think she has some good words of wisdom for us in the church, for us as parents, um, just some of her perspective on this issue and, and how it's just... Um, like I said, it's just divine timing that you're with us today, Cindy. So thank you so, so much. This has just been rich. Mm -hmm. We know there's more richness to come. So, Hey, check us out again. We've got a part two with Cindy in the meantime. I'm Tina. I'm Wendy. (laughs) This has been the shooting straight podcast and we love truth even when it hurts. (laughs) And we
Hey everyone, it's the Shooting Straight Podcast. This is Tina Pavey. And hey, we have been so blessed to have Cindy Giuliani with us from Arise Together. We want to make sure that we give you the opportunity to understand Arise Together and what it is she does. So please make sure to check out the show notes. We will have a link and information on how you can support her and her ministry in setting young women free. We're all about freedom. We're all about love and truth. Thanks again for the Shooting Straight Podcast. And uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And make sure you do it within the confines of God. His word is true. His word is good. And he's the way to go. All right. With that, we are out. Love truth even when it hurts.